So good morning. Yeah, you guys having a good one? Sun came out. So uh, that's always a a good sign. It's a good start for a day. But um, hey, uh, we are in week 10 of a series we've been, where we've been looking at the story of the prodigal son. And some of you guys have been with us from the beginning. I've heard from many of you that this has been a really, just a good series. A lot of things that maybe God has brought out. It's always good to go into a story that many times we think that we know, you know, we get into certain parts of scripture and we go, I've heard that since I was a child. And um, it's always good to go back and realize that there's so much, uh, there's always something new that God has for us. And so that's been good. It's been good to, um, to just be go- going through that together. Um, I want you guys to think about, maybe it was last night, maybe it's been in the past, but um, do we have any people in here that are just like dream all the time, just those vivid dreams, you know, where you, you wake up? Have you ever had a dream <laughs> where it's so real that when you wake up, it like takes a while to adjust and realize, you know, remember where you are? You're kind of like, okay, what's reality? Is it that or, Right? You know, how about, have you ever been out on the ship so long that when you get back to land, you're like, okay, let's remember how to walk on land that doesn't move, right? Because there are these things that take transitions in our life, and sometimes they kind of, they, they, they bring us back to a place that we're not, we're not used to, or we've kind of adjusted out of. How about this one? This is a hard one. Have you ever had somebody that you've known, maybe for years, maybe for, maybe for decades even, been a friend, been in this uh, relationship with them, and then they do something or they say something or you find something out about them and you, it, it jars you because it's like, I don't know that I ever knew who this person was, right? That's a tough one. That one takes some just reorienting, rethinking in our lives. You know, for 10 weeks, we've been looking at this story of the prodigal son, And it's the story about the prodigal son and his his father. And it's been this beautiful metaphor of our relationship with God, his love, his mercy, the mercy he shows us. But if you've been reading along in Luke 15, as we've been going through this, if you've been reading through that story, you know that there's a third character in this story. There's this other older brother. You know, if you have a younger brother, you obviously have somebody else going on and it's the older brother. And Jesus really pays a lot of attention to that older brother. We've been paying a lot of attention to the younger brother and what that has to do with us and coming back to God. And that's a beautiful part of the story. But there's this other part that Jesus emphasizes. And we're gonna take a look at the older brother today because if there was anybody that was really thrown off, right? That was a little bit confused by the way that this story was ending up, how it was wrapping up, it was that older brother. And so we're gonna look at his story. This is the final scene. Let's uh, stand together. This is the final scene from the story of the prodigal son. It's in Luke 15, 25 through 32. It says, now the older son was out working in the field. But as he came in and as he neared the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what it was all about. And the servants told him, your brother has returned and your father has killed the fattened calf to celebrate because he has received him back safe and sound. On hearing this, the older son became angry and he was not willing to go in or to join the celebration. So his father came out to him and made and appealed to him, asking him to come in. But the son responded, look, for so many years I have been serving you and I have never neglected even one of your commandments. And yet you have not given me so much as a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours comes home, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. 
The father responded, son, you have always been with me. All that I have, all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. He was lost and he has been found. So why was the older son so angry? Well, obviously something had happened, right? Something, something about how this story was wrapping up, something that he didn't expect and he didn't like. I want to just put out there, how many, how many of you guys have you ever had that happen with God where God does something that you didn't expect, maybe that you didn't even like, and it kind of threw you off? It, it, threw, your, it, it threw off your faith. It disrupted, it disoriented you. You started wondering, you, you started questioning. Maybe it was something that God did for someone that you felt that didn't deserve it. Kind of like the younger son in this story, right? That's part of the older son's complaint. Maybe it was something that God didn't do for someone that you felt did deserve it. That's part of the older son's complaint too, right? He turns to the father and says, you didn't ever give me a party. And I really deserved it. But whatever it was, whether it was something he, he did or didn't do, it unsettled you. It, it, it makes you almost feel like, it can make you feel like you're not even at home in your own faith, right? It takes a while to adjust. It takes a while to kind of reorient, to figure out where am I. The message this morning is talking about that feeling. It's a feeling that all of us go through with God at some point. It's a feeling where we start questioning, you know, is, am I the one that's off here? Is this even my, is this the home? You know, this, I, this doesn't remind me of the home that I thought I knew. Am I, is something wrong in here? Is my, am I, am I really home? And the question that really comes up is, you know, is my heart even in this place anymore? Or has it started to wander too? If I found that, you know, maybe the ways that this is going my, my heart's not as, it's not with God the way that I want it to be. Today's message is titled, Home or Abroad? Let's pray. Father, I know this morning that we come from a lot of different places. We, we always do, and we, we, bring, we bring our, We bring our thoughts, we bring that framework, we bring our filters, we bring our baggage, we bring it all. And some of us that are coming in, part of that, that whole gathering of stuff that we have is that question. The question of, is, is this really, I, I, don't, I don't feel settled here anymore. It's not that we've run away, it's not that we've done what the younger son did, we didn't go off and, just make a wreck of our lives maybe, but maybe we've hung around, but we're just, we're not, we're not settled. There's something about how we're seeing things that just isn't sitting right anymore. And Father, it's good to know that you meet us in those places too. We don't have to go off and make a wreck out of our lives in order for you to welcome us back in love. There's sometimes that we're staying in your house and we still are just kind of, we're just kind of wandering. Our heart is drifting away. And Father, that's when you come out into the field also with us and you invite us back in. Father, I know that this morning there are some of us that are in that place as well. We're in that place where we, 
We need you to just meet us out, <laughs> out in the field to bring us back into the house, to remind us of where your heart is, to remind us of that, that really what it means to be your child, to remind us of what, what your mercy is about, what your goodness is about, to remind us that this is good. This is good, what you've invited us to be a part of here. So Father, come and speak to us today. I pray that this would be your space and your time, that this would be your place, that we won't have all those other voices and all those other distractions, that those would be cleared away for this time so that we can hear you clearly. We can hear that invitation, the invitation of our Father saying, come on back in. Come on back inside. Will you tell us how much you love us? Will you tell us how much there is, how much we have in you? God, just remind us, remind us of those things. But meet us here. Let us hear your voice clearly. Through the power of your spirit, in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. So I don't know that we always recognize with the people that are in our lives, the people that surround us, the people that we're engaged with daily or on, on those deeper levels. I don't know that we always recognize how important they are, how they help us frame, kind of they provide that framework that helps us navigate in this world. They provide that framework that helps us understand our world. I don't think we always realize that until sometimes until they're gone. Uh, a year and a half ago, my, my dad passed away. And in the following weeks, in the following days and weeks, actually over the last year and a half, really, um, what has struck me again and again and again is, is how strange it is not to have him in this world, in my world, in my life, engaged in those ways. And, and some of them are the obvious things. You know, there are certain days we used to celebrate, like his birthday, or, you know, and, and you don't celebrate that anymore because it's just not the person isn't there to celebrate with, or, or it's just that voice on the other side of that conversation that you miss the voice of, of having that person who's there. You know, for me, it's also, there are those personal, those kind of those small things, but they're personal things. And uh, I remember it was shortly after he, he had died and, and it struck me, all of my life I've grown up knowing that on this planet there were, there were these two people walking around named Van Trapp right? And all of a sudden there's just one. And as silly as that is, it's like that just changed everything about my world, right? And those are the things that you're just adjusting to and they strike you and, and you have to reorient yourself. And that's what loss feels like, right? That's what loss feels like. And anytime we take a transition, we make a transition, we, any type of transition, there's a certain part of that that feels like that loss because we have to let go of things. And so many of you guys have gone through transitions, gone through changes in your life of different, you know, moving or, or relationships or, or jobs or, or just look, you know, whatever it is, but you've gone through these changes in your life or just becoming a different person. And I would bet that a large part of those changes felt like that loss because you had to let go of some things no matter what it is. 
Now, sometimes those changes are good, right? The younger son was going through a major change when he decided to come back home. But some of the things he was letting go of were things like starvation, feeding pigs, hanging out with people that, that didn't even want him around. When we let go of those things, that can be a real plus, right? It can feel like an escape. It can feel like a step up. And some of you guys have been through those kind of changes where the things you let go of and, and the things you moved on to really made it worthwhile. So you've been through those graduations or through those promotions. Some of you guys have been through those times in your life where you felt like you were stuck or trapped and then you were able to move on or move out of that. And it felt like a, it felt like a good release to let go. But there are those things also, those changes. There are those transitions that that are unwelcome, they're unexpected. Sometimes we, we look at them and we're going, was that even necessary? Right? You're like, God, really? Sometimes we even look at them and we say, you know, that's just wrong. That shouldn't have happened. That's what the older son was dealing with in our story. He was looking at his, his younger brother come into the picture and, and he was not having to pay any of the consequences. He wasn't having to deal with any of the consequences to this huge disruption that he had caused for everyone else in the house. He wasn't having to deal. It's like his father had bypassed that. He was looking and he was going, why are we, why are we even welcoming him back? Why do we have any guarantee that he's not gonna be just as much of a pain as he was before he ever left? So he was having this, he felt like all of a sudden he's, he's losing something, the stability that had been there, he's losing it. And he's going, I'm not sure this is good. This is wrong. That's also the, the thing that the, the religious leaders of Jesus' day were dealing with. It, it, it had caused them to grumble. It was what brought up the story in the first place. So in, at the beginning of Luke 15 in verse one and two, it says that it seemed like to them that all of, all of the tax collectors, all of the sinners in the, from everywhere were just gathering around Jesus. And he's just putting up with it. He's not sending them away. And it says the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble saying, this man receives sinners. And not only that, he, he actually he like sits down and eats meals with them. So it's not just he's putting up with them, but he's actually engaging with them. Now see, the Pharisees, they had this belief that, that Israel was not, God had not returned the, the kingdom to Israel. Israel hadn't gotten the kingdom back yet. And in fact, they hadn't even gotten their full freedom back yet. They weren't literally in captivity. They'd been pulled out of that, but they're still under Rome's thumb at this time. They were still under oppression. And, and they believed that the reason that they didn't have all that back, they didn't receive the kingdom back, was because they were not righteous enough yet. They were not living according to God. That's what had lost them the kingdom. And they were sure that's why they didn't have it back in its fullness yet. was because they were not living up to that standard. So they were, and, and when they looked around and they said, you know where most of this unrighteousness is coming from that we're dealing with? It was the people, like the sinners and the tax collectors. They said, like, we're trying, we're pulling our load, but what about them? And they're looking and they're seeing all these sinners and tax collectors, these people that are messing up the plan and they're hanging out with Jesus and he's not doing anything about it. So it's like they're saying to Jesus, Jesus, what in the world? What are you doing? This isn't how we're gonna get back good with God. This isn't how we're gonna get the kingdom back and how we're gonna get his blessing back. How are we ever gonna do this if we just, if we don't, 
we don't do something about these people. You know, it struck me as I was, I was thinking through that about how we do that too in our lives, don't we? It, it, don't we do that sometimes as churches even? That the people come in and, and they're a mess and they're like, I'm just here because somehow, I don't know, Jesus loves me, man. I, I don't get it, but he does, so I'm gonna hang out here. And we're like, man, you're messing it up. How are we? We're trying so hard to be so good. And you come in and you're just doing your thing. It's like, wow, Right? And Jesus doesn't seem to be doing anything about them. He keeps calling them in. Sometimes we look at that and we say, I think something's wrong with this. And Jesus does with us what he did with the Pharisees. He says, I think something might be wrong with your thinking. Right? That's hard. Don't you hate when God kind of turns the tables on your thinking? You know, you figured it out. This is the plan. This is how we're going to... This is what it means to get good with God. This is how we're going to move forward. And, this, and, and, then, and then God says, yeah, that's not, you know, you're, that's not my thinking. <laughs> that's your plan, not my plan. And that's hard. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter the situation. It's hard to find out. It's hard to find out, especially with God. It's hard to find out with people too. But that you think that you're, you're in step with what's going on and all of a sudden you find out, oh, I'm the one out of sync, right? <laughs> I'm the one out of step. We want nothing more than to think, you know, I, lo- I love to think that it's, you know, it's me and God, man, we're taking on the world, right? It's just, if everybody else falls, it's, we're like, you know, right? We're all thinking that, it's just me and God. And then, and then all of a sudden you get called out and it's like, ah, you're not really in step. And that's hard. There's nothing more jarring than believing that you're on that kind of inside loop and then finding out that might not be exactly true. This brother believed that he and his father were in lockstep, especially when it came to running the house, but especially when it came to dealing with the brother, the younger brother. It's like, if he ever comes back, yeah, that's not gonna happen. And he thought his, his father and he were on the same page. The Pharisees thought that they were on the same page, that they were in lockstep with God when it came to sinners and tax collectors. We sometimes think we're on the right page with God, right? When it comes to certain people, yeah, that's not gonna happen. That's not good enough. They're not good enough. They're not trying hard enough. They're not. And suddenly it's like, yeah. no, I, I think you might be thinking wrong. But that's why the brother, that's why he, he thought, you know, this is my dad and I, this is our plan. That's why he sat out in the field. He was like, he says, I'm not going in there. This is, this is off plan, right? This is off the route. And I'm gonna call my dad. I'm gonna wait till he comes out of here. We're gonna have a talk. I'm gonna let him know. You know, what happened to the plan, dad? Again, do you, do you guys ever have that conversation with God? How, you know, how does that go? But, <laughs> but do you ever have that where you're like, God, what happened to our plan? Of course, I'm not gonna go do that thing. Of course, I'm not gonna quit thinking about that person that way. Of course, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ever look at that person and forget what they did to me. Of course, I'm not, because, right? That's our plan. They got to pay. This has to stay the same. I have a good idea. We're going to go with my idea here, right? That's our plan. And it's like God's on the other side of that. And he's looking at you going, our plan? Really? (laughs) Maybe your plan. Our plan? 
You know, throughout this story, Jesus has been raising some really good questions and they've been throwing the Pharisees off, but really they've been throwing us off too. A few weeks ago, several weeks ago, we talked about some of these, these questions like the question of can you ever really get enough revenge that takes something that's been done wrong to you and make it right? No, no. Or can you ever pay enough for the things that you have messed up with God or with other people? Can you ever pay enough to undo the thing that you did? No, it never undoes it, right? We, we kept seeing that, man, grace is the only thing that we have left, right? Or how about that question of, you know, is any of us, because a lot of times we'd like to think we're, we're the son, we're the son or the daughter that stayed home with, with God, right? We've been the faithful one. We've been standing. If, we, if anybody has, a, a, you know, has an argument of why, why this other person should get there, what's coming to them is us because we've stuck it out with God. But the question of are any of us really that faithful child that's just stuck it out with Jesus? No, no, not really, right? But here he's getting into some other questions, some pretty deep questions. Questions like, what are you really angry about? What are you really angry about when somebody seems to get away with something and God's good to them anyway? What are you really angry about? Could it be that you're just angry that that person actually went out and did the things that secretly you've been thinking, man, I wonder what it would be like to, to actually be able to do that and get away with it? Could it be that they actually did those things and now they seem to have gotten away with it. And you're mad as much as anything because you've been sitting here in this miserable kind of fake righteousness trying to just gut it out. I'm gonna pretend I'm good even though I have all this going on on the inside. I just don't act on it. Is that what you're really angry about? And, and you guys, I wanna tell you something. That's a, hard, that's a hard question. That's a tough question to deal with. But I want you guys to know, just full disclosure, I find that's true about me more often than I would like to admit it. That's just who we are. We look at them and we have all kinds of stuff going on inside and maybe some of us don't just act on it, but man, we got it, don't we? Yeah. And it's hard to see somebody that goes out there and actually acts on it and then we're like, they got away with it, right? They stole the cookies and they ate them and they didn't get caught. I could have had cookies, right? Second question is this, have you really lost out? Have you really lost anything by doing the right thing when other people chose not to? Have you really lost anything? That's something that the, the father's kind of asking the son. Have you, really, have you really lost anything by being the faithful son? I mean, just because there's a party going on, have you really lost anything? When you, choose not, when you choose to do the right thing rather than do the wrong thing. So again, he's asking, why are you angry? <laughs> How about this one? Do we really want everybody to pay for what they should pay for? Do we really want everyone to pay so that they don't experience the grace of God? Because I don't think we do. Because we know enough about ourselves that we know that we have stuff we should be paying for. But God in his grace doesn't, he doesn't hold us accountable, right? We've gotten away with stuff 
in God's grace, I don't think we really want everybody to have to pay for everything. In fact, wouldn't it be great, <laughs> not if everybody got away with everything, but wouldn't it be great if we could just appreciate, thank God for the mercy that's available to us and everybody else, right? So he's asking these questions to these, these Pharisees and at the same time he's also in showing them this older son, he's showing them, and have you ever thought about what your actions are actually accomplishing? I mean, think about it. Here's his son, and by his stubbornness and by his, you know, he's just, he's upset, he's resentful, and he keeps himself out in the field. And what's really going on? Well, he's standing there by himself in the field, and a party's going on inside. And he's like, I never got a, you know, fatted calf. Well, they just butchered it. And you're invited to the party, right? Are you gonna eat any less beef because it's not for you, the party, right? No. So it's like, how many times do we keep ourselves out of the joy that God has for us because maybe it came in a way that we, we thought it should be more about us or it shouldn't be about them, or, right? And so we keep ourselves out of this joy that God says, just, just come in to the party. Do you see what you're actually doing? You, you're losing out because you're out there trying to prove your point. Yeah. Second, by being in stubborn and un, kind of unrelenting, this, this, this son shows that, you know what? There's been this, this resentment that's been growing in him for a long time. It probably goes back even before the younger son left. There's been this resentment just kind of growing and you can just, and the only reason we, we understand or recognize this resentment is because it, again, it goes on in us and we're like, I can't wait till this person gets what's coming to him. And ever since that son left, probably even before he left, he's just been waiting for that day when that son gets what's coming. In fact, that has been his hope, his dream, his like, that, that light at the end of the tunnel, I can't wait until my younger brother gets what's coming to him. Can't wait till we get the, the, the news from the distant country that he's just crashed and burned. Or I can't wait till he finally makes his way back here and my father just unleashes on him. I can't wait till my brother gets what's coming for him. Right? And he didn't even realize the darkness that had robbed him of being able to live a life of joy because he's so consumed by this resentment. He's so consumed by this unforgiveness. He's so consumed by this revenge and this judgment. I think sometimes we don't realize the darkness that remains that is there in our hearts that just clouds God from, clouds us from being able to see even what God has going on. All the good that's going on because of that darkness that just, that rules over us, that we are slaves to, that guides so many of the thoughts and the, the directions and the choices of our lives. But then also, he says, do you realize by sitting out in this field, by sitting out in this field, all that you're showing is that you may have stayed in the house, but your heart went wandering away a long time ago. You may be physically here, but your heart is nowhere near the Father. That's hard. 
that's hard to know that we may be present, we may seem like we're at home, but really we're just as lost. We're just as much in a distant country as the younger son was ever. And Jesus ends it there. You go, that's an odd ending for a story. But you think about why is he telling the story in the first place? Because he's talking to these Pharisees. He's saying, I realize that you guys have been pursuing righteousness. I realize that you've been working hard in the house. I realize that, but now the younger son's coming home and you're standing out on the field. And I'm here to invite you into the party. I'm just here to say, are you gonna stay out here to prove a point to your father or will you walk with him back into the house and join the celebration and the grace and the mercy and the movement and the ministry that's going on now? So what do we do with that? What do we do with this ending of the story? Because, you know, honestly, I've heard this, this story talked about and taught on for, for a long time. And usually we pay so much attention to that front half. And we really don't mess with this, this older brother. We don't know what to do with him. And I don't know if it's because it, it, maybe it strikes home, you know, it strikes too close to home, or I, I don't know, but we, we don't always know what to do with him. But Jesus told this story and he told it not just for everyone else, he told it for us too. So what are we supposed to do with this last scene, with this third character of the older brother? Well, one thing I think, one thing is this. We need to take seriously what Jesus is saying, saying in this one, you guys don't ever, don't ever be resentful when you see God showing his mercy. Don't ever be resentful when God shows his mercy. Mercy is what we celebrate. It doesn't matter if it was somebody that offended you, wounded you deeply. When you see God's mercy in their life, don't ever be resentful because that's the same mercy that causes his goodness to just pour down on your head, right? We celebrate. Mercy is what causes like eruptions of joy. Jesus said twice ahead of this in the two stories prior to this one, he said, don't you realize that, that all of heaven erupts into a, a celebration, into a party, whenever one, one person who's strayed from God just turns back. So why would we stand out in the field and say, I don't think they deserved it? <laughs> well, of course not. None of us did, right? Amen. So whenever you see mercy, just jump in and say, that is, I love God. I love my father. That he just pours out mercy. That's what he's about. That's what this house is about. So one thing, don't ever be resentful when God shows mercy. Second, that comes out of that, get good at showing mercy, right? I mean, this is, this is the whole point of his household, right? It, it, if you wanna know the point of what God does or why he does it, it is he is seeking to rescue and to redeem and to restore. And that's always about mercy. It's always about mercy. It's always about it. And you guys, mercy. So listen, when people come into God's house, when they re-enter, when we re-enter God's house, there are rules, there, are, there is structure, there are things that make this house run well. There's no question about that. 
And just because there's mercy, it doesn't mean that all that collapses and all the, you know, everything gets tossed out. No, we, we are, need to be transformed. After mercy grabs hold of us and brings us in, we need to be transformed so we live well in the house of God. There's no question. But mercy is what keeps the door open. So learn to keep that door open wide for people and let them come in. I mean, if they're, if, if they're trying to find their way back home, I mean, they may not like what they find when they get home and they go, I don't know about all these rules and all this structure and how God wants to change my heart and change my life. And it, they may not like that, but don't let it be that they never make it in to find out because we keep the door shut. Amen? So don't ever be resentful of when God shows his mercy and let's get good at showing mercy. Now, I want to tell you, we might not be good at it yet because we may be learning how to, how to learn how to live in this house well. We may be learning how to show mercy and get better at it, but keep at it. Get good at showing mercy. The third is this. <laughs> learn how to celebrate. Right? Learn how to celebrate just the mercy, the joy, and the grace, the grace of God as it just pours out. You know, sometimes God pours good on our lives and we take our lives and we take that the, the, the gifts that He gives us and we make idols out of them. We make, you know, we start worshiping the stuff, we start following after you know all the good things, and we get cluttered in our life with all the material blessings or relational blessings or whatever, and we get all buried in that. Don't do that. But on the other hand, don't be on the other side where you're just like, I'm gonna keep my head down and this is all about just serving Jesus and you know, it's, gonna, it's gonna, not gonna feel good ever, right? You guys, toil without joy. If you read Genesis, that's what God's trying to save us from in Jesus, right? Adam and Eve, they were put in the garden and one of the things that came as a result of them, of them breaking that, that covenant with God was that they, they went into he said, now it's going to be by the sweat of your brow. It's going to be just by grit and, and working hard. And you're going to sweat to earn what you get. Jesus came and he said, he broke that curse. We're not in it for toil without joy. This might be hard work, but it's not without joy. Celebration is part of the house of God. Amen. Amen? So when we work, it is, it is with joy and just the joy of knowing what he's doing and who loves us and what, what the final end of this. And so he calls us into this. I mean, think about what the father said to the older son when he's out in the field. And, and the son says, you know, you never threw a party for me. He says, son, <laughs> everything I have is yours. It's like, I didn't throw you a party. Why didn't you throw yourself a party, right? Just have a party. You could have had the goat. You could have had. And it's almost like he's saying, think about it. This brother of yours came and he asked for, completely illegitimately asked for a big chunk. And I gave it to him. Why would I hold back anything from you? There are times that we don't, we don't understand Romans 8. At the end where it says, you know, if he did not even spare, talking about God, he didn't even spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he hold back from giving us any good thing? Why would he? And this father's out there going, why? Didn't he have a party for you? All that I have, all that is mine is yours. 
We need to learn how to celebrate. We need to learn how to celebrate and, and realize when we come to God, we're not begging him to do something that he doesn't, that he doesn't desire to do. If it's a good thing, then he's on board. If it's worth celebrating, he's on board. So one, don't ever be resentful about the grace of God when it's poured out. Two, get good at showing the grace of God. But three, you guys, we gotta learn how to celebrate. You know, when... When we started this series, I said one of the things that I really believed that God was asking us to, to do is to think about how do we become, how do we become that, that congregation, that group, that place, that, that people that know how to, know how to, to join in the celebration of God, know how to, to go with God and, and when he's releasing his grace, know how to join in with that. Do we know how to welcome home prodigals well? Are we ready, right? I mean, there's a readiness that's there. There, there were people that, when they, it was almost like they had, they had drills, you know, okay, if the younger son comes home, this is what, okay, you gotta run for the robe and you gotta go get the shoes and you gotta make sure the ring's all polished up because this is, this is gonna be important. So let's make sure we got this. Are we ready? Have we thought through, man, when this, uh, this is what celebration, all of heaven's erupting. How do we join them? How do we run with the father down the road to make sure that the son is welcomed in? Instead of just making our father run by himself and then putting up a, you know, standing out in the field and saying, I'm not sure I want to come, right? How do we make sure that we are with God in his celebration as, as, he, brings, as he brings his prodigals home? You guys, that's what we're called to do. How do we make sure that we are the ones that... And we're just growing into the fullness of that heart that we're the ones that find out that our heart, not just our person is home, not just if physically we're here, but that our heart is all in, right? It's not wandering off from the Father. It's, it's, it's right here. That's our challenge. You guys, as we go into the coming years and decades, if we, I mean, I pray that this church will be a church that knows how to do that. That we know how to celebrate. We know how to just let the eruption of God's just joy seeing his children come home just erupt in this place. We're ready for it, amen?